I've heard the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time to plant a tree is today. My thought is, who actually has time to plant trees right now? This episode, we are going to review four different periods in a person's life and how they can maximize their experience for each one in order to show how starting sooner rather than later is critical to your success. So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets, this is Tom Seco and CJ Burnett. We're financial advisors that work with veterinarians, practice owners, and the veterinary community across the United States, owners of Florida Veterinary Advisors, and the host of the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. Our mission is to provide a different way of thinking, to make financial decisions easy so you can spend time doing other more fun, awesome things. Make sure to check out all of our other great resources available on our website, such as complimentary financial race CEs, assessments, videos, and articles. You can find them by visiting flvetadvisors.com. And if you're finding this podcast to be helpful, make sure to rate and review us on Apple or Spotify. If not, give us a rating on the Smarter Vet Podcast Facebook page and follow us there. This episode sort of just sprung up at us in conversation one day, and uh, it was something that we, we constantly keep hearing from a lot of different people. And one area that when we hear it very, very often is when we, we speak at colleges, people are always saying, you know, when is the best time to start planning? When should I start learning about my finances. And, you know, going back to the very beginning of the episode, when, when CJ had mentioned in the intro, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? It's either 20 years ago or it's today. Like there is no perfect time. And a lot of times people will say the best time to plan is now. Uh, I wholeheartedly believe in that because, you know, time goes by and then there's a lot of financial decisions that we make throughout our lives that we try to make priorities, we try to put them ahead of ourselves, and we try to put them ahead of other things in our life. And then time goes by, and then it's like, oh, shoot, like, I, I probably should have started sooner. Well, and sometimes I think planning is is not necessarily like when we say planning, we also mean education, we mean mm-hmm. learning, right? When's the best time to learn? Best time to learn is right now. Because even even as you might not be actually planning, as long as you're learning, that's going to allow you to start knowing what to plan and what to prioritize within a plan, right? Just start learning, uh, especially with students who are, who are asking us, you know, wait, you know, when should I start planning right now? Like I'm in school, like how, how would I start planning right now? It's like, well, you're planning, but like instead of actually planning, start learning because it's the same thing. There's an episode we did a long time ago about the four letter word that's hurting you. And if you haven't listened to it, you should go back. But that four letter word is busy. You know, it's almost in CJ's and I, my world, we almost think of it kind of like a, modern day curse word to a certain degree. It's like a badge of honor that people use where it's just, Hey, I've so busy. I can't do this. I can't do that. My life is so caught up. Uh, And I I remember I was just having a conversation with someone the other day. He was talking about making more time for himself. And he's just like, I constantly don't have time. I don't do what I want to do. And I was like, you don't really just sort of do things. You have to make the time to do it because we are going to always have other priorities. And I think that's a better word to use and we're busy. A few years ago, I think someone asked me, they wanted to book an appointment with me. It wasn't, it wasn't business. It was, it was more personal. 
And they were like, yeah, you know, I really need to meet. I'd like to meet with you next week. I was like, well, I'm busy all next week. And they're like, oh, really? What, what, you know, what do you have going on? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, nothing. That's why I'm busy. <laughs> like, and I remember him being very confused. I was like, no, like I literally, I have nothing planned. And I said, I would schedule nothing. So you are something that I have to schedule. And that, that time is already planned for nothing. So it, that, that's something. Nothing is something. And I think a lot of people don't really see it that way, but it's like when you schedule time for nothing and then you go, oh, well, this other thing, this other person needs to meet or this other person wants to go have coffee or this other, it's like, well, I've already scheduled it for nothing. So nothing can go there except for nothing because even nothing is something. That's such an interesting thought you bring up there because I I was reading a book the other day about how we're in such a society where we always have so much going on. And it's like, we always feel like we have to do something which creates this sense of busyness that we have. And then we really don't understand what is that main thing we should be doing all the time. And our lives has become this, it it creates a lot of anxiety. It creates a lot of stress and it creates depression in people because it's just like, they never feel like they have their own time. And it's, I find it interesting too. It's very relevant to what we're talking about right now. It's instead of finding a, a balance in your life, it's being able to find a counterbalance and the things that you're doing, because like you might spend a lot of time working, but then how are you counterbalancing work with your personal life and making sure that you're doing the things that you want to be doing, or even for, you know, mental health, wellness, uh, mental health and recovering when you need to. Well, I think it's all woven into like this idea of not allowing space in our lives. It starts really young for us because of our culture, right? Because school tends to be very demanding, Right, even as my 15-year-old daughter has a lot of school to do, and then she has extra curricular activities, and I, I find myself oftentimes when my wife and I are like, "Hey, let's plan something on the weekend." Sometimes we go, "No, we're not planning anything. We're going to plan nothing, and nothing is going to be on the calendar," because my daughter's been just going the whole week. I've been going the whole week. My wife's been going the whole week, and it's like we just need a weekend, like to have nothing, like do nothing, and so you know, kind of walking through even the subconscious cues in our culture through the four stages. Because I think these four stages kind of recognizing our financial momentum, our financial understanding really starts at a, at a younger age, like most things. And then we tend to bring these, these mindsets or these emotional templates into adulthood. And when we talk about even adolescence, because adolescence is really like the first time, most likely you were 16 years old when you got your first job, right? Maybe you were 17 or 18. Some people wait a little longer. Maybe you were in college. At some point, you were a teenager, most likely when you got your first job and when you received your first paycheck. And based upon your own family dynamics and things on like how you view money probably started solidifying certain emotional template templates around finances right in adolescence that you then kind of probably don't even recognize probably don't even know that you're actually doing it or that you actually have them but i think it's and we talk about a lot on the show just kind of examining that like how did i grow up how did i view money do i view money as security or do i view money as evil some people actually view money as evil that they think that by saying that they want to make their business more profitable, that other people are going to think that they're like bad people because they want more profits, right? Because money is the root of all evil, which by the way, very, very wrong interpretation of the Bible. The Bible, Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Funny enough, right? Money actually can, can actually be very good. So I think in adolescence, just recognizing that from early childhood into adulthood, there was probably some sort of dramatic financial 
establishment of what you how you thought money really was or what it was used for and then you, that's probably what has begun even as you've gone into the next phase which we'll talk about in a sec continues to affect you in your working career adolescence is a big part of your development and i, I will see even till this day myself i'm constantly having to challenge myself around my thoughts and how I even approach finances in life. And we can easily get sucked into, there's one lady, she's an author of a book called Mindset, Carol Dweck, wrote a, a book about growth versus a fixed mindset. And uh, there's a lot of interesting studies that have been done around it, where if you've always been taught that money is very scarce and it's not really there, could cause you to kind of keep that shell as you grow up. You're taught that always there at your fingertips and you can be able to get it as long as you put effort in and you and you do the best that you possibly can. And it's interesting during this time period of our life how we have so much psychological change that happens. And I think even as we get older, but it really we're really impressionable in that time period where our lives can dress the path of our lives are going to drastically change depending on how we grew up, which this really then shifts over to what we call the accumulation phase of our life. So think about it. You spent your entire childhood. I, I do miss my adolescence sometimes because I remember <laughs> I used to be so stressed out about so many things. And then all of a sudden it's like, now you're working and you have a career and you have so much responsibility. And, and the most interesting thing about accumulation is that a lot of advice that people get in their finances starts in this area. Because even when we talk with students, it's incredible just to even see that the students that are not really getting enough education around finances, like there's been a, a lot of awareness today to help improve that. Uh, but when really people engage for financial guidance, it's, well, now I'm working, now I'm making money. So I should probably be starting to figure out how to prepare my life now, start preparing for retirement. And it, it becomes a big stressor for some people. And most people spend the most amount of their time in their life in that accumulation phase, right? This is the, this is the phase of seeking after growth of their balance sheet, trying to save, trying to make more income to be able to save more money. And so uh, I think most people are familiar with the accumulation phase just because that's, I mean, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, most likely you're in this phase. You, you either started your, your working career pretty recently or you're nearing the end of your working career. Because I think a lot, of, a lot of the feedback that we've gotten from listeners is that th those are the people, that's the profile of the people that listen to this show. Most people who are, who are past the accumulation phase, not really too curious about a lot of the stuff that, that are out there as far as financial stuff. So I think accumulation, most of you are probably in this phase. Just recognize that now is the time that you have to build a balance sheet. And whatever balance sheet you build now is going to take you into the third and the fourth stage, right? So the third and the fourth stage are entirely dependent on what you're doing right now. This is the critical part. This is like, I don't know what they call it, like a turning point, right? At some point in your life during this phase, you're either going to never get it together and it's and and all that stuff is going to affect you into the the third and the fourth phase or you're at some point during the accumulation phase you get in a spot stable enough to where you either start accidentally saving or you start saving on purpose there is no perfect time to start anything so maybe you should consider starting now we created a brief 10 question quiz that will give you a financial checkup to make sure you're addressing every corner of your finances this includes how you're protecting yourself from risk how much money you're actually saving for your plan, and building up a balanced asset portfolio. Take the quick quiz now by clicking on the link in the description of this podcast or visit our website at flvetadvisors.com and you'll be able to find it in our drop-down menu to take the assessment. So that third phase, 
is the phase that we call distribution. A lot of people call this retirement phase, right? The, the, okay, now you're done working, your balance sheet is set, and now you go from being person at work to being net worth at work. The fascinating thing about distribution, you and I talk about it very often, CJ, is how a lot of people, they all stress out about retirement. I find it interesting too. I mean, we've got quite a long runway of what's, what is in society considered the norm of retirement of a certain age that people work up to. And it's interesting that a lot of the people that will plan and plan and plan, and then they eventually get there. And one thing that's always stuck to me that you've said all the time, CJ, is like you're talking about the Super Bowl where it was the Falcons, right? Atlanta Falcons? Yeah. They played Atlanta against Falcons the Patriots. And Patriots. Yeah, they were crushing yeah, the Patriots. The Patriots like were like literally heads down, but then there's Brady over here, head up, like, I'm gonna get this. And it was like he was like, the game's not over. It's it's halftime right now. And halftime. And right. a lot of people look at their plan as in like they get their retirement and it's not halftime. They look at it like that's the end of it, but they really should be looking at like, hey, you get there. Now you're going into another phase of your life. Like, what are you retiring to? Like, what is that next phase? Well, well I mean, if we really think about history, this phase of life was actually fairly short up until maybe the 50s. Yeah. The 1950s, right? So it's fairly a modern, this, this idea of retirement of like, I'm going to work real hard. I'm going to get to a spot where I've amassed enough wealth and then I'm just going to stop working. Not, not in, you know, it's nothing that's in like incredibly old. This is a very new concept, I think, to, to modern American life. And, and I think the, like, cause most people, they would work. And then as soon as they were done working within a, a couple of years, three years, four years, five years, whatever it was, they would die. Right, because the life expectancy, I believe, when the when, when the Social Security Act of 1933 was passed, pretty sure that the life expectancy was somewhere around 67, 68 for most people. So, okay, great, you get you start collecting a Social Security check at 62 at the earliest, and then you die at 68. That's like six years of retirement. I mean, mm -hmm. retirement wasn't an enormous amount of time. Whereas now, if we're living at 85, 90, distribution is one that most people largely ignore. They plan for, but they don't, they don't plan through, right? They just to get to that spot, but they're not planning through that spot in order to make it so that when they, if they do live 10, 20, 30 years into retirement, they have enough of a balance sheet that can provide them the income that they need in order to make it to retirement completion. What's interesting about retirement is that, or, or distribution, like we like to look at it in multiple different ways here that you, once you do actually get there. You maybe you don't actually stop working because it, you know, in our world, when we always plan with people, the thought process is that we want to eventually have the choice to not have to work for a paycheck any longer. And all, our society has adapted the idea that, well, you work until you're 65, you put in so many hours and our, our generationally things have been changing a lot from, you know, Gen Y to Gen Z to Gen X to baby boomers, like it's fascinating, the approach, but then also the financial atmosphere that we live in where the different tools and the different abilities to plan, there are some staples that exist out there to be able to really prepare your life in a way to where you can not have to work until you're 65. And I think something that a lot of listeners who are paying attention to this right now, that it's really important to take into consideration that retirement shouldn't be a specific, like I'm going to work my life until a certain time. And then that's when I'm going to enjoy things. There should always be a balance to be able to get there of, Hey, how am I enjoying my life today? And also at the same time, when I do get to that point in my life that I actually have the ability 
to continue a very similar or greater lifestyle than I did before I stopped working. And a lot of times people, uh, they're just too busy putting out too much fire, too many fires to think about the future. They're sitting here, let's just say, really focusing on tomorrow, putting money in investment accounts. And, and this is something that we should have said earlier, but I think it's important to add in here now that a lot of people in accumulation phase of their life, like their whole focus is on like, how do I just keep saving and investing money to accumulate a lot of wealth? And many people put more of the emphasis on investing. And then they continue that plan into retirement and their life in retirement becomes a yo-yo for them because they're just not really sure what the economy is going to be like. What kind of interest am I going to be earning? And it's this can be detrimental for a lot of people. We've actually, there's a thing that, uh, CJ, I remember you and I used to talk about this all the time, the retirement income cliff. People go from making a certain amount of money and then all of a sudden they're like they're taking a nosedive because their income drastically changes because they did not either save enough or prepare to have a plan on how to actually spend their money. And more assets doesn't necessarily mean more income, right? Especially when you look at all of the different ways that you collect income from an asset after the age of 60, there's multiple ways that you can go about generating income in retirement, right? In that distribution phase that most people don't even realize. And the unfortunate part is the the finance industry oftentimes it has a lot of products and i think people are oftentimes stuck in knowing exactly what product is going to work inside of a plan for them because there's no there's no one way to do things there's actually multiple ways to do the same thing and so it's just a matter of finding what is the what is going to produce the maximum result for each individual because that's what a customized plan is supposed to do Right? That's the plan that takes them through retirement and not just necessarily to retirement. Because if you're just going to invest, 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 you're going to get to retirement and just still continue to invest the same way. And statistics show that if you invest the same way during retirement that you did when you were accumulating money, there's a very high chance that if you live a long time, you're going to run out of money before you run out of life. That's so true. And in the last final phase of your stage of your finances, what we call legacy. This is where, let's say you're no longer here. Uh, you had family members that were dependent on you. What about the next generations? Like when it comes to transitioning your uh, assets, whatever things that you did have over to the next person. I always like to add in here. It's like, if you have a spouse, that's also dependent on you for, for income purposes. How are you preparing for those situations as well? Because this is a, a part of people's lives where I, I would say a lot of, and, and CJ, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong here. Most people don't prepare for this part of their life. Well, I think a lot of a lot of people never think about what they're going to leave behind because they're because we are if we're stuck in putting out fires every day and not getting ahead of our own lives, not get, being proactive with what we're doing even day to day, we're not going to be proactive with what we're doing post <laughs> post death. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like what what effect we're going to have on our kids or our grandkids or you know, even charities that we may want to leave money behind, because I think there are a lot of clients that they get to retirement. And they're like, you know what? I'm not leaving any money behind, right? My kids, I, I got them through college. I paid for all their stuff. Like, and that's totally okay. That's not, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. A lot of people feel like they, they actually feel guilty when they say those things to us. But I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. I don't think you're, I don't think you're selfish for saying that, right? It's just, it's just how it is. And some people won't have enough to leave behind a ton of money to their kids, right? And they know that they, 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 you know, life had happened to them in a way that they didn't expect. And it's just, it is what it is. They weren't being proactive with their life until they were like 55. And so whatever kind of plan that they've established is going to be what it is. But I think if you can really in your early, in your thirties or forties, right. Really think about, okay, what kind of legacy, not just necessarily money legacy, 
but what do I want people to remember me by? Do, do I want, and, and what kind of impact did I have on the community at large, right? Just as a, on a broad scale, because that should, to a certain degree, our legacy, if we, if we get proactive in thinking about that, it's going to allow us to know exactly what we want to do with our time right now. Because a lot of people wake up in the morning, they're just like, they're like, I don't even know what to do. I'm just going to go to work, right? And, and then they go to work, I come home, I feed the kids, I put them to bed, right? And there's, there's kind of in the cycle, but they, they're not truly aware of their actions and how those are going to have that lasting impact. Because no matter what you do, it's going to have a lasting impact. You know, it's just a matter of, are you going to make the impact that you want, or are you going to make the impact that just happens by chance, by just kind of living? And if you haven't started planning, right, in in this context, if you haven't really started planning for how you're accumulating money, how you're going to distribute, what your legacy is going to be, the good news is you don't really have to. You can just let life happen. However, you may find out that you're not going to live a life with real purpose and satisfaction at the end of your life, like you're going to, you're going to look back at it and you're going to have regrets. And so I think our goal, Tom, for, I know we talked about it a lot of our goal is to make sure that when people listen to this podcast or really get things from us, we want to make sure that they're living regret free lives. That's absolutely right. If you're enjoying this show and you're one of our active listeners, we're glad to have you here. If you're one of the new listeners to our show, welcome. We could really use your help to spread the word about our podcast because that's how a lot of other people find out about this great content. If you could take this episode or find one of your favorites and share it with at least one, if you could, three of your friends to let them know about this awesome episode and how it can impact them. Uh, And even if you could go to our Facebook page and drop us some love, we'd love to hear about you. This is CJ Burnett. And I'm Tom Seiko. Wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seiko are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seiko's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Venture Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Submission number 2023164475 expires November 2025.